When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on sisters as bridesmaids, shared office temperatures, changing birthday plans, thanking wedding guests for attending, and serving leftovers to guests. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, we talk about wedding postponements and the gift questions that come with them. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on gifting. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey, you back. I made it. You did. We weren't quite sure that we were going to make this recording happen. It was close. It was, I, had, I had Dad, my dad, online, Peter Post, on backup. He was on call, on standby, ready to come in just in case. I'm loving your dual script. If Dan, <laughs> XYZ, if Peter... ABC. I know. I feel kind of badly that our postscript today, it was like, I was like, if it's Dan, we're going to talk gifting etiquette. If it's Dad, I think we should talk like Emily Post Institute history, you know, get that older generation telling some stories. Maybe we should just have a Peter Cindy show. I think we should at some point. Absolutely. We should totally have a show with the fourth generation. But you're back. I know. I aced him out today. I was uh, catching flights and connecting through these snowstorms that are just ruining holidays all across the country. I don't want to say ruining holidays, but making it more difficult. We should tell everyone, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, the day before Thanksgiving. That's true. And I was tasked with getting from Michigan to Burlington, Vermont. So from Saginaw, Michigan to Burlington, Vermont, you're going from kind of small regional airports through the major hubs and... Figuring out a way to time that connection so that I didn't end up sitting somewhere on Thanksgiving morning while three feet of snow falls all around me. (laughs) It is such a relief to touch down in Burlington. It is so good to be here with you, to be within a short drive of my family, and to be with our entire awesome etiquette audience. I'm really proud of our audience right now because a lot of them are joining us on Patreon. I'm so excited. Me too. It's so much fun. Clearly, we have found a platform that works better for the Awesome Etiquette audience. We're hearing that from people who are familiar with Patreon already, as well as from people who have thought for a while about joining the sustaining member community who are giving it a try because it's a moment of transition and change. and That's a good thing to give things a try. And we've even heard from some people who were experiencing difficulties with our old platform who like the new space better. One of the things that I am liking so much is that something about that 
interface is encouraging for people and I'm hearing more from the people that are subscribing. Oh, so I'm good. getting little notes and messages and emails. Well, they're all in email form. <laughs> but they're notes and messages in emails. And you they feel kind right, of guys. personal and, I, and I'm always sort of a little jazzed. Oh, a new Patreon. And I've heard from several people that they would really like to get an RSS feed associated with that Patreon account. Oh, yeah. So that would be an ads-free RSS feed for the podcast. And I want to let everyone know that we have heard you. And I am working on that. Expect to see it the week after the holidays. I was going to say, after you get a nice holiday with your family and before you fly out to Arizona for your next business trip. (laughs) We will get it done. Yeah. And... It makes perfect sense. People don't want to always have to visit unique websites to listen to their podcast. They want them all in one place. We're going to get you that RSS feed so you can plug it into your favorite podcast player and listen to your ads-free version of the show wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Awesome. I absolutely love it. And you know what else I love? What would that be? Answering etiquette questions. (laughs) Well, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Awesome. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom, and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, you can find us at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. 
Just use the hashtag AwesomeEtiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, we love hearing from you. Please remember to put sustaining member in your message because we answer your questions over on our sustaining member Patreon site, patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette, where you can access a totally ads-free version of the show and all your bonus questions. Our first question today is about Sisters of the Bride. Ooh. Lizzie and Dan, I have an issue with making a decision on how to handle choosing my bridesmaids. My fiancé has already stated he is going to have four groomsmen, so I want to have the same amount of bridesmaids. I'm not close to my sisters, but we do love each other and truly enjoy spending time together. I just think we wouldn't be friends if we were not related. We are very different people. So, at first, I thought I knew I was going to have my friends be in the wedding, but one of those friends also happens to be my future sister-in-law, so then I wondered if I should invite my sisters to be bridesmaids, not wanting them to feel left out while my fiancé's sister is in the wedding. I know my middle sister will probably say no due to her discomfort in these sorts of things. She doesn't like people looking at her, and she will definitely hate having to get her hair and makeup done and take bridal party photos. That being said, if my oldest sister says yes, my middle sister will feel obligated to be in the wedding and say yes, even if she doesn't want to. I plan on inviting them all to the bridal parties and gatherings, even if they are not in my wedding, so they will be included in the festivities. I also already know who my maid of honor, my best friend, and not a sister will be regardless of which decision I make, so they don't have to worry about maid of honor duties. I just don't want them to feel left out of the formal ceremony. Should I even ask them in the first place to be in the wedding, or should I just save them the trouble and just get my friends to do it? Is it a slight to have my future sister-in-law in the wedding while my blood sisters are not? Sincerely, Bride with Sisters. I feel for all the levels of simplicity and practicality and looking at people's preferences, but also, you know, recognizing it's a big day. You might want to feel left at like there's so much that dear reader here, dear listener, I should say, is balancing in her brain. I love the little detail, the very human detail that the middle sister probably wouldn't want to do it. But if the oldest sister does, does it, yeah. and I'm doing it, then the middle sister would probably want to. It's it so makes perfect youngest. sense. <laughs> and so middle so, and so yeah, oldest. Right? I mean, it's just, it's fabulous. So kudos to you, first of all, for thinking all this through. Second of all, I think that because you wouldn't be upset with either of your sisters participating in your bridal party, this answer is really simple for me. You just ask. Ask them if they want to. Let them know there's no pressure for them to be, that you want them to be happy and comfortable celebrating you however they feel comfortable doing that, but that you wanted to give them the option of being in the bridal party. I think that's the way you go with this. It makes a lot of sense to me. Sibling relationships are so important. My mother told me once long ago, and it, it really made an impression on me, that your sibling is likely to be the longest relationship you have in your life. Very true. This is someone who matters a lot. You're going to go through a lot with them. And these big moments, these big transitional moments are real opportunities to tie bonds and to cement that relationship in ways that are significant, meaningful, and important. There is nothing that says they have to say yes or they have to participate. Exactly. It really is something that 
people can decide for themselves based on their comfort, and it is really nice for you to ask. I think when you make that ask, explaining to them that you understand that one may want to, one may not want to, and that, again, your big goal is just to make sure that they are there on the day, however they feel comfortable being there for you, is the way to go. Bride with Sisters, we hope this helps you check this one off the list and wish you best of luck with all the rest of your planning. In any family, we are bound to encounter a certain amount of rivalry among the brothers and sisters. The children learn early that they are all to a degree interdependent, and in the process, they learn to respect the others as well as themselves. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Our next question is titled, It's Getting Hot in Here. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you for the wonderful podcast. I'm a longtime listener, first-time question asker. Thank you so much for writing in. I live in Boston, so the cold winter days are quickly approaching. I started a new job in October. I share the office with four coworkers. However, the space is divided, so it's more like two rooms each with their own ability to control the temperature. Oh, I know where this is going. I share my section with one coworker. Let's call her Sandy. And our desks are directly next to each other with a small partition dividing us. I sit in the doorway leading into our office from the busy hallway, and Sandy sits next to the window. Sandy comes in every day and turns the heat up high. Hmm, that sounds like someone else that I know and worked in an office space with. She often remarks, "'Wow, it's cold. I'm putting the heat on higher.'" Then she turns the heat as high as the thermostat will go. It goes up to 85 degrees. While the room gets hot, it does not actually get to 85 degrees, but it's still making me sweat while I'm sitting at my desk. It's uncomfortably warm. I've started making comments while she is adjusting the thermostat to say, Oh, I'm at a very comfortable temperature, or I'm sure you'll warm up in a few minutes, or you can put your sweater on, but she still turns it up. I have turned it down slightly a few times, and about 20 minutes later, she is over at the thermostat complaining that someone changed the temperature. I have started telling her that I had to adjust it because I am sitting at my desk sweating, but she says, well, I am cold, and increases the heat. Oh, no. I am the new employee and also about 10 to 15 years younger than she is, so I think she feels like she has control. Sandy keeps mentioning how she thinks the cold air may be from the window, but that she has earned that window by working there for about 15 years. Please help. I don't know where to go from here. I have the sleeves of my cotton dress pushed up as I type this email, and I'm still sweating. How do I get her to keep the thermostat at a reasonable temperature? Thank you, Kate. Oh, this is such a tough situation. Oh, man. And again, another awesome etiquette listener who is really thinking beyond just the immediate situation. 
this, you know, I've, I've tried some light nudges. I, I This person made mention that they don't want to switch seats with me because they feel like they've earned the window seat. There may be, and this is where we're doing some guesswork, a little bit of age and longevity coming into here, some seniority potentially, even Absolutely. though they're at the same job. What, what do you think, dear cuz? How, how do we handle this thermostat? It's tough because a lot of the incremental approach suggestions that would be where I would start are already clearly illustrated here. Kate has done the work of mentioning it, of escalating her mentions a little bit, of going from just talking about how she feels to even making little suggestions about ways that her coworker might make some adjustments to make accommodation if there's some middle ground that they could agree on together. I think that we might already be at the point where a more direct conversation is in order. You think? I think so. Because this is about your comfort. And I mean, even just little details like the thermostat only goes to 85 and it gets cranked up to 85 all the way and the temperature doesn't even get there. And instantly my Vermont brain starts saying the room doesn't hold heat. That probably means the heat's running all the time, which means you might be sitting there with 85 degree air blowing on you that's never going to shut off. This is a really awkward, difficult situation. <laughs> and this is coming from someone who loves the heat on at about 85. Say, like, I would still be in my jacket over in my office and I'd walk into Dan's office. It's like a sauna. It was. I was so jealous of your heating system in that office. But I'm hearing this and I'm hearing that we've already tried to just deal with it, right? We've already mentioned a few times, subtly and directly, um, well, I'm hot. And and what you're getting back is someone else putting their comfort above you and demanding that because they are cold, you should have to deal with being hot. I feel like there's two options here. You can either try to point that out in the next time that you have that very exchange, but I think you start to get into a place of being combative. I think it's time to go to management. I think it's time to go to your boss, go to someone who manages the office and say, I'm having an issue here. I've tried dealing with it in these subtle ways. I've tried dealing with it in these direct ways. And at the end of the day, I'm now really uncomfortable and I'm dealing with someone else who is also really uncomfortable. There has to be some middle ground we can find. Can you help us find a solution? It's definitely what management and organizational hierarchy is for, (laughs) that there is a place you can go. They may not think that they're there to solve heating problems, but technically they are there to solve the problems of the workplace. And this one also might be jumping into the category of cost. Kate has also done the other beginning step that I would suggest, which is wear layers. And when this question began, I didn't know which side of the heat equation our question asker was going to fall. It's either bring layers that you can put on if the temperature is too cold or wear layers you can take off if the temperature is too hot. That's been done. I think there's a possibility for a discussion that's more direct that's not combative. And I also want to tease out that possibility just a little bit. Okay, cuz let's hear it. Let's hear it. I'm inspired to try it because sometimes going over someone's head is really awkward. It can be, especially on these interpersonal levels. It's there. It's a recourse. But those interpersonal dynamics can suffer. And this is someone you work very closely with, you share a small space with. And I also want to respect 10 or 15 years of seniority. I hear you on that. I don't want to hear that it's being wielded. In a way. Yeah, I don't I don't love that when I hear her her mentioning that as to why she's staying at the window, you know. 
But I also think it's worth saying if I were sitting in this person's shoes, if I'd been working in this office for 15 years and someone who'd been here a much shorter period of time, months or even a year or two, I might say, no, this person has to earn a window seat or (laughs) I've earned my window seat and I'm not just going to seat it even if it might be a little cooler for this person. Yeah. I think that's not unreasonable. I do think it's unreasonable to use that as a cudgel, to not take into account someone else's comfort yeah. at all. That's the part that's really getting me on this one. I wouldn't want to confront them about that. I would want to keep the discussion about the temperature in the room. And I think you could, because you've already done the subtler messages, have one of those difficult or awkward conversations. And this is a great time to review some of our tips for having one of those conversations well. You ask permission to have it. Mm -hmm. You say something like, you know, there's something that's been bothering me or something that I feel awkward bringing up, but I would really like to talk with you about it. Do you have a minute? Is now a good time? It's a priming strategy. It's a priming tactic. It's giving someone else the opportunity to give you permission to bring up something. And once they've said, yeah, sure, I've got a minute or, oh, could we talk about that at lunch? You've now got an opening. You've got an invitation to... Be a little more direct. You can talk about your experience in the situation. I'm really uncomfortable in the office when the heat's on at 85. You can also be very explicit about your good intentions and your understanding of someone else's position. If there were an issue like this, I'd really hope that you would come and talk to me about it. Right. I really respect and appreciate that you like it a different way and what I'm hoping is we can find some sort of middle ground or some way to work through this so that we can keep working together well. You can add in the part about I also appreciate that you work near the window which is cold but that that's a seat you've really earned and like you've spent a long time here and it's got a great view. I know why you wouldn't want to leave that seat. At the same time, I have a hard time focusing on my work and I you know, I start to sweat, I start to feel really uncomfortable at my desk when the heat is at 85. Is there some kind of middle ground we can reach? The one thing that I'm a little concerned about here, Dan, is that we've we've basically had some of this conversation, not the full extent, not the full wraparound of asking permission, not the full acknowledgement of where the other person is at. But we've had the part of the conversation where we say we, – we, we do stand up for Kate's perspective and she says, I'm hot. I'm uncomfortable. This is, this is creating a tough working environment for me. And the other person just shuts it down and says, yeah, well, I'm cold. And that's it. How can we move if we get that same kind of resistance in that moment? If we don't get someone saying, okay, no, I'm hearing you. How about we put it at 84? <laughs> um, what, or what if she does do the thing where she just puts it at 84 instead of 85 and you're going, that didn't really solve the problem? I think by having the direct conversation, yeah. by standing up for yourself, by being really clear yeah. about your perspective on the situation and theirs and being really clear about your willingness to listen, to compromise, to suggest solutions, but also to stay open to ones that you haven't considered. If you really get shut down at that point, you're in such better shape to having that next level discussion or talking to someone else about it. I like that. I like that. And I don't want to say that Kate hasn't brought this up because she has but it's been brought up in a sense of up, down, up, down, up, down. Right. right. No middle ground here. Yeah. And what I really want is that search for the middle ground, an acknowledgement that 
there's a bigger problem emerging than just I'm hot right now, I'm cold right now. There's a I have a preference and you have a preference and we work in the same room together <laughs> and those preferences are impacting each other. And that's a bigger discussion. Yeah. So that's not just where are we putting the thermostat right now. It's how do we share this space? And I want to give these two a chance to work that out between themselves before I bring in that higher authority. Nice. Oftentimes when I'm giving advice about having difficult or awkward conversations, the final piece of advice, the exit piece of advice is having an understanding of what your bottom lines are can be so helpful in managing yourself and managing your own emotions as you're having this discussion. And one of the tricks to having this discussion well is not responding with anger yep. <laughs> if someone is surprised and not ready to have this conversation, <laughs> to be respectful, to listen, to not be accusatory or demeaning about someone else. In fact, previous generations of the Emily Post Institute have had this exact discussion. <laughs> Good luck. Stay cool. It's going to help both get your work done and navigate this particular situation. These men of Fort Knox, Kentucky are being shut off in the world for 26 days. They're volunteered to serve as guinea pigs for the Army Medical Research. It's 120 degrees or higher for 10 hours of each 24. They have a feeling they can last only a few minutes. But within three days, these men will find themselves immune to heat exhaustion. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm from Australia and have been listening to your show since about episode 50. That's so cool. I grew up in a family where etiquette just wasn't a thing at all. I often don't even get a hello, how are you, when I visit family. So your podcast has been very enlightening and has made my relationships much smoother. I have always had the honesty thing down pat, little wink emoji. <laughs> now I've got more respect and consideration to compliment it, though I'm always learning. Me too. Anyway, I have a conundrum. A friend asked us verbally to save the date a month before a birthday high tea to celebrate her daughter's fifth birthday, just us and our girls. The plan was to dress up and play at being ladies. Aww. My daughter was pretty excited. We discussed what to wear, and I turned down another invite to attend. A week before, my friend confirmed that we were still available. Then three days before the planned celebration, she sent a text giving an excuse, which read... Do you mind we just grab an ice cream? The excuse she gave was weak. I suspect she just decided it was all too hard and expensive. The way she worded the text sounded like she was offering the second plan out of guilt rather than it being something she actually wanted to do to celebrate her daughter's birthday. Although I'm not sure of her exact reasons for changing, I feel insulted, myself and on my daughter's behalf. And I do mind, especially as she booked us so far in advance and talked it up. I wish she'd been honest and canceled outright rather than offering up this consolation prize. I don't wish to accept, but I can't say no without explanation because we've already confirmed we are available that afternoon. Or can I? I could say yes, but I'm going to feel uncomfortable during the celebration. 
Should I just get over it? Any ideas about how to respond? For the record, my daughter is very disappointed, but I think she'd be happy to eat ice cream any day. <laughs> I'm the one having the dilemma. Kind regards, Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you so much for being a fan for so long. And I, this is such a tough one. And I just want to I want to use this question as an opportunity to encourage parents and non-parents alike that keeping your plans is really important. You so never important. know how much someone's been looking forward to something, how much they've been talking something up and really... The only reasons to cancel are for, like, you know, something unexpected happens. I think that if it's an issue of expense, I, as I being Jennifer in the situation, if I have it in my budget to offer to help, well, would it make it easier if we hosted it? I mean, this is, I know this isn't exactly the idea behind it, but is there some way that you could still make it happen? Is the other parent just feeling a little overwhelmed and needing a little pep up and encouragement? You know, every now and again, my girlfriends and I have, you know, a date scheduled for a lunch or a dinner or something like that. And they've had a really long day, a big fight with a partner, just something going on, and they just don't feel up to it. And sometimes they just need a little encouragement to say, hey, no, this is the thing that'll make you feel great, you know? We don't know what the exact excuse is, but I do think that it's important to try and offer to keep the day. Oh, and to have that kind of positive view, and I know this is going to sound weird because what I'm going to say is I'm so disappointed, but to say, oh, no, we'd be so disappointed. Is there any way we can still make this happen? So much different from, I can't believe you're canceling on us. Really? No, we're not going to go get ice cream with you now. And I really don't think Jennifer would ever say that to this person. She does not sound like that type of person. But, And, and I agree with you. I do think your daughter would probably love to go get ice cream and that would be fine. But if you can't get the other parent to commit. Talk to your daughter about disappointment. Talk to her about the fact that some things don't go the way we plan on them. Sometimes people have to cancel for reasons we don't know about, and we just have to find a way to be okay with it. Mom and daughter, Jennifer and daughter, could maybe do their own special ladies tea for the day. Maybe you turn around and invite other friends for a special ladies tea, and not to purposely exclude this child and her mother, but to to just do something that you said you were going to do and got excited about doing, you know? My vote would be that you first ask if there's any way you can salvage the ladies' tea. Second, say yes to the ice cream and and use it as an opportunity to talk with your daughter. How do I do, Dad, Dan, Dan the dad? Let's post A+, plus, etiquette gold star. I love that answer. I, the very first thing that you said made my little parent heart sing. <laughs> is there any way we can make – is there something I could do to help? Yeah. Could we host it? Could I help with the expense? And you, without knowing what the excuse is, it's hard to know which approach is going to be exactly right. Right. But I love that idea of offering to share some of that burden to make it happen. To me, that's the perfect middle ground. I also really like the way you use it as the teaching moment or opportunity. Right now, Anisha, my three-year-old's favorite book is about an etiquette princess tea party. And <laughs> it's this like wild red hair. It's an etiquette princess tea party? I know. I'm going to promote this book on this show in coming episodes because <laughs> it's so much fun. And the little girl that throws it is so exuberant and extraordinary. And Anisha <laughs> so clearly identifies with her. It's so much fun. And she throws this sort of very uh, childlike 
and elaborate tea party oh, for a so friend. Cute. But she decorates the chairs that they sit in. She draws faces on balloons and puts them on the chair and they're pink ribbons all over the table. Aww. It's not expensive, but it's fun. Elaborate. And it's yeah. elaborate and it's special. It's a to-do. And then it's social <laughs> because there's all of this stuff with the inviting of the friend and the friend's coming and you're excited and she arrives and some things go well and some things don't and you navigate it. And That's awesome. It's an awesome little book and I want Jennifer's daughter to have that experience. I want her to share that with her friend and that made me just love your idea of what can we do to make this happen. Yeah. And if it really can't, you don't Get revenge. You go do that other thing. You participate. You participate well. And you think about having that tea party, maybe with that same person later on, maybe with some other people. But you don't let that disappointment sit for too, too long because this would be a special and fun event. And it's hard. It's it's hard as, as adult emotions, knowing how people should behave. It's very hard when they don't. And it's hard to see that impact our children and the experiences that they've been looking forward to. So I sympathize a lot. And just straight up, take kids out of the equation. As an adult, Dan knows, especially since we've like moved our offices and we both work from home, I call him sometimes because I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen another person. I've talked to people. I haven't seen another person. Can we FaceTime for a minute? You know, something. And sometimes I'm so looking forward to that evening gathering with friends. And when it doesn't happen, having to put away the side of myself that is deeply hurt, deeply upset, feels like not even excluded like, oh, everyone's getting together without me, but just like excluded from opportunities to go engage with people. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I was so looking forward to that. I have to put that part away and say, no, I'm hearing you. I understand. Or I ask that question of, is there any way we can make, would you rather just like do popcorn at your house instead? Like something? No? Okay. Well, we'll do it another time. Have a great night. Then pick up the phone and go find someone else to hang out with if I can. (laughs) Emotions are emotions, whether you're an adult or a child. So true. And I love Jennifer's honesty. Yeah. These are my emotions. I'm not going to put them all on my daughter. Good job. (laughs) I I love the motherly training advice, the way you're talking about learning to process that disappointment. It is so important. Jennifer, great work introducing some consideration and some respect to your excellent honesty. Good luck navigating this tricky situation. I'm sure you're going to find a good solution. Mother, why do you suppose Mary didn't invite me to her party? Are you sure you didn't get an invitation? Maybe they thought he wouldn't want to go to a party. They probably thought I wouldn't know how to act. Hey, now, your name's Cindy, not Cinderella. You'll get an invitation to the party. There's just been some mix-up. Wait and see. Oh, it's not important anyhow. Good night, Mother. Good night, Cindy. Our fourth question today is titled, Wedding Thank Yous for Attending? Question mark. Emily and Dan Ah. (laughs) happens all the time. Thank you so much for your wonderful podcast. I love tuning in and appreciate your modern approach to etiquette. I'm hoping you'll be able to answer a wedding-related etiquette question for my now husband and me. We got married this fall and finished up our wedding thank you notes last week. Bravo. Serious. That's like, like, yeah, that gets etiquette rounds of applause. (laughs) We sent thank yous to all of our guests, including those we did not receive gifts from. 
Our guests traveled far, many coming from the other side of the country, and it meant so much to have them with us for our celebration. Did we make a mistake? Since dropping the letters in the mail, I've read varying opinions online, one side suggesting that a thank you note to a guest who didn't give a gift is rude and can be seen as a way of fishing for a gift, another side suggesting you should thank all of your guests for helping you celebrate your marriage. I'm so worried that our thank you notes might have sent the wrong message. Can you set the record straight? Thanks again for all you do. Worried and wondering in California. Oh, worried and wondering in California. I like. I, I so want to set the record straight. I would love to 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 have that kind of authority. The reality is there are different perspectives, and uh, I think it really comes down to the tone of the thank you that you wrote. And I think that if you wrote something along the lines of, Dear guest, thank you so much for only coming to my wedding. I really appreciated your presence. Some even say that presence is better than presence. Like, you know what I mean? You could you could see someone saying something like that and it just being such a dig at the fact that these people did not get a present. If you wrote a thank you note that said, thank you so much for celebrating with us. It was so wonderful to have you there. And I was so grateful that you took the time to come from so far away. We It meant the world to us. I just don't think any of your recipients are going to give you flack for that. I have heard actually really frequently from um, media people calling in to do interviews about wedding gifts that people really get told often that if you have to fly to a wedding, you're not required required to give a gift. And as listeners to this show know, we don't quite subscribe to that same idea. We say just go with a small gift. Put something in your budget. You know, don't try you don't have to get a big gift. You can get something small and simple and it, and it can be really quite lovely. But this whole idea of if you took a plane or if it took you more than 4 hours to travel, we just don't get that nitty-gritty about it. And so, I think you did the perfectly right thing in this situation. I think that if your tone was pleasant, and just really focusing on how wonderful it was to have the person there, I don't think they're going to sense anything wrong or any kind of fishing for a gift going on here. Worried and wondering, I want to add my voice to the chorus and put your mind at ease. Do not worry about those thank you notes that are already in the mail. I'm teaching my daughter to not worry about spilled milk, and that's something that's already happened And 99.9% of the time, people are going to receive a thank you note, a handwritten thank you note, and think it's wonderful. If there's anyone out there listening, wondering how they could avoid this question in the future, you could always write your notes, post them, and then just hang on to them for a couple weeks or a month if there are people on your list that you knew you hadn't received a present from. You could just hold on till the end of a and pick an arbitrary time frame, maybe a two month window or a three month window after the wedding. You don't have to, but if it would make you feel more comfortable to give those guests a little more time to get a late wedding present delivered, you could do that. You could still get your writing done and then just hold on that send moment. (laughs) But I wouldn't worry about the letters that are already in the mail. 
bear in mind that people do have three months after the wedding to get their gift to you. So, so Dan's in that wheelhouse. I would probably wait till the end of those three months. Um, if you're in the position to do that, I think what our listener here has done is, is perfectly fine, um, that they've already gone out. We're probably right on the edge of that, depending on if they got married in early fall. If they get married in late fall, then then I think we probably still have a few a few more months where you might actually be getting some gifts coming in over the holidays or things like that. So just be be aware. And you can always send an extra thank you note afterwards for the specific gift that came in after. In fact, I think it would be advisable to do so. I think so, too. Worried and wondering in California, we hope this eases your mind. You see, Nora, different letters have different purposes. They do all kinds of things. These are letters of thanks. I just love this leftover cake question. I think it's really good. (laughs) Our last question is about leftover cake. I baked a cake for Thanksgiving, and a week later, I'm having a dinner party, and I thought I might put the leftover cake in the freezer and bring it out for the dinner party, where I will also be serving another freshly made dessert. Friends I approached about this were horrified at the idea that I would serve half a leftover cake to my guests, who are very casual people. Your thoughts? (laughs) I love, leftovers for guests I know, what do you I, think like i love i just love the gasping horrified moment of these friends and this other person sitting here going dude i'm trying not to waste food or this is really good cake it's yummy it's like come on <laughs> um i think that you're thinking about the right things these are very casual people i think rather than serve it up I, I, my guess is that the people who are horrified are imagining you trying to pass this cake off and you've already got a freshly made dessert for the evening. I think saying something like, I also want to just set out this fabulous cake that we had. You know, it's been in the freezer for a couple days, but I just, it's so good. I wanted to offer everyone the chance to enjoy it. So different from feeling like you're getting someone's scraps or leftovers. Also, just a small suggestion. There are plenty of ways to make a quote-unquote old dessert look new. And you might look into, could you take this half a cake and use like a cookie cutter or something to to cut it out into small rounds that look like fresh new pieces? That's like the, the kind of tricky stuff you can do behind the scenes to pass things off. But I just don't see this being a problem with these very casual guests. Unless it's out of character for the type of event you're hosting. Yeah. Oh, well, very good point. Very good point. And that's essentially what you're saying. These are very casual friends. You're the host. You're acknowledging the scenario. You're setting the tone the way you want to set the tone. If it's a fancy dinner, (laughs) I'm probably not going to bring out a serving dish that's got a half-made cake in it. But I would trust you not to do that in this situation. We hope that you can have your cake and eat it, too. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You may also leave us a voicemail or text. We would love to hear from you at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. On Twitter, you can find us at Emily Post Inst. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette in your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Katie. Hello, posts. I'm listening to episode 272. When it comes to paying for Ubers, the line I usually hear from the person calling the car goes like this. 
Hey, I'm going to call an Uber. Does anyone want to split it? The caller then invites all of the riders to pay for their share of the ride using Uber's split fare button. I think all the question asker needs to do in this case would be to make it clear the fare is split and let the app take care of the rest. Katie. Katie, we love it. <laughs> I love I love that advice. No, technology solutions. This Heck is yeah. one of those examples where the tools themselves start to give us answers. The software guides us into the expected behavior. Maybe somebody doesn't have an Uber app to share, isn't as familiar with it, but even introducing it like this brings up that splitting the bill in very concrete terms. Absolutely. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about gift giving. Yes. And no, I want to, cousin Dan just like tossed it right over to me. And I'm going to say, I want to toss it right back to you because I'm the Thanksgiving girl in the family and you're the Christmas dude in the family. You love Christmas and you love gift giving. And I, I even know that when there have been like, like whisperings of, oh, we just don't want to do a lot of gift giving or, oh, materialism. Dan champions for diving in and doing whatever you can to make beautiful wrap packages appear as surprises for people on this special day. For us, it's Christmas, but for whatever gift-giving holiday you're celebrating, whatever the time of year, I want to hear some of my cousin's thoughts about gifting well. So... One of the reasons I love it so much is I love giving people things. <laughs> it's it's not that I, I want to sit at the tree with a big pile of things that all have my name on them and I tear through them, although that is kind of fun. I really enjoy the experience of finding something that I think someone's going to love and giving it to them. And I think it's a way to show appreciation for a person. It's also a way to show appreciation for the relationship that you have with them. And they're slightly different things. And I like to think about ways to honor and acknowledge both. I think that for me, the oldest cliches about gift giving are all true. It really is the thought that counts. (laughs) And it's so cheesy. It's not about how much you spend. It's about the attention that you put into it. It's about the effort. It's about the care. It's about the the quality of the delivery. Sometimes something that's very inexpensive and little, but that really speaks to a shared moment or experience or shared passion can really be meaningful or significant for someone. So put your head into that space. Set a budget for yourself. This is where we're going to start to get into some of the gift-giving advice so that you feel comfortable with what you're spending. Know what you can afford and then stick to it. And maybe what you can afford is time. Maybe what you can afford is money. Maybe what you can afford is your creativity. But set that budget, stick to it, and then spend some time thinking about how you can distribute it and and deliver so that it really connects for other people as well. Because then you're going to shift your your focus a little bit. You want to think about the person who's going to be receiving the gift. Keep your attention on them, and you're likely to make good choices all along the way, whether it's about what you're going to get or how you're going to present it or what you're going to say to them as you enjoy seeing it together. There's a slightly risky move. Okay, what's, what's that? This is something you he and I have discussed like before. smile. What is this, cousin? <laughs> Occasionally. Uh-huh. 
when gift giving, I like to think about sharing a passion that I have with someone. Uh huh. That can be a risky move because if they don't have, if if it's not their thing, yes. Yay! Or or I maybe got... <laughs> or maybe it's even something that I'm not particularly interested in, but I know them well, and I think they might be interested in it. I think sometimes there can be a delightful surprise that's part of a gift, and the unexpected is oftentimes achieved by. Getting away from someone's expected interests, hobbies, Should passions. I be expecting, like, yoga class tickets or, you know, like, passes to yoga classes this year? I had some family members that <laughs> suffered through that for a while. Absolutely. <laughs> it will not be happening to you this year. But oh, th- th- that would be an example. Although, maybe I gave five family members yoga mats or class passes. <laughs> If just two of them discovered a new passion it in that. It would have been a worthwhile gift, yes. It's a little riskier, mm-hmm. but it can also reap rewards if done well. Absolutely. And I will put the Lizzie Post cautionary advice <laughs> on it as well, which is that you're not just promoting what you're interested in. Correct. Regardless of what someone else thinks. I think it's really important to keep that in mind. Like, Dan, this this is a running joke between us that whenever I say I feel old or I need things shaken up in life, Dan says, get thee to a yoga class. Um, Dan met his wife at a yoga class. <laughs> this is also where this comes from. <laughs> but I think that it's, it is good advice. But and I would I would welcome that if that that came to me. You know, it is it's something social. It's something good for the body. It's it's all these wonderful things. But I think you're smart to say that you do want to be careful. You know, I'm an avid golfer. I know plenty of family members who are not golfers, not interested in taking up golf. Me getting them golf balls is not a good idea. Um, Getting my father golf balls is like the best thing ever. I never have to worry about it. It's the easiest gift to go toward. But I do love both the idea of sharing something that you love with someone, but also really thinking about them and thinking about what they would appreciate. And one of the questions that we get asked so frequently about is about gifting money because so many people appreciate cash. So many people appreciate getting checks. And I was talking with a reporter recently about how awkward gifting money can be. It's so funny because I don't really want to put too many rules on it. I do think it's I I think it's a great gift. But I can also see how like imagine if in the Christmas exchange that our cousins did, if I just handed you a $20 bill and was like, "Here you go." You know, or what if our cousin exchange was actually a whole family exchange and I hand grandma like a, a $20 bill or or if you hand someone like a $5 bill, and I don't want to say that $5 is worthless. It's not. It's five whole dollars. That gets you a whole lot of things, and it might be what's in my budget. But for some reason, that it's like different amounts and different delivery methods and different giver-to-recipient relationships can make money awkward. I was thinking about if a friend, instead, if like I had given a friend a gift and they handed me like a check for for $25. Am I going to be like, thank you. It's a little, you didn't have to, you know, I don't know. But I don't want to say like I'm turning down a gift of money. Well, this is a perfect setup for another piece of etiquette advice. Yeah. When you're choosing gifts, 
you personalize the gift with a little bit with the choice you make. Right. If you're giving money, I think it's really important to personalize that gift in other ways. I agree. You really want to have some kind of note with it. I was thinking about you this season and wanted to get you something that you can enjoy in any way that you like. I like or, the in any way that you like part of that, especially. And I'm thinking about you, that, that you make an effort to personalize and connect that gift to your relationship with that person, your thoughts, your care for them, your good intentions for them. Gift cards can be great. In yep. fact, gift cards that expose someone to a particular store that you like <laughs> can be great. <laughs> it's like Yoga Rama. <laughs> I do think that you also present an appropriate caution. If it would feel awkward to give someone cash, if that raises a little trigger in your mind, a little discretionary voice that says, oh, that feels a little impersonal, that doesn't feel quite right for our relationship, go back to that first piece of advice and honor that thought. Try to think about something else. Spend that $5 on a diary or a book or something else that would be more appropriate to that relationship. My final thought on this one, yeah, still thinking just about gift selection, you and I talk about this. It's nice to have some go-tos. It's yes. nice to have some things that are, I don't want to say universally appreciated, but are almost universally appreciated. Disposable luxury, things that are yummy and expensive, things that you use <laughs> one time and are a little expensive. They can be really nice treat gifts for just about anybody at any occasion. It's it, nice to have a few of them that you can turn to. By disposable, I think you're meaning like consumables. Like that's not, exactly, not yes. so much something you're going to get that someone's going to throw away immediately. But one of the things I was talking with my family about, because we all have done a great amount of cleaning out and trying not, acu- not to accumulate things. So when my family have been asking for ideas um, for birthday and Christmas and things like that, I've said, oh, man, things I actually use all the time are really great. A really nice selection of spices or baking ingredients that I don't typically get for myself, you know, or that I'm thinking about. But, boy, it's really nice when it's just on hand in that cupboard for me. A gift certificate to favorite restaurants so I could go out with some girlfriends and have a great meal or participate in that. Those are the kinds of things that start to engage my life. I even I even put on the list, like, you know, car wash gift certificate, you know, like practical, but so awesome when you're sitting in your car, you know, there's a ton of salt on it. And you're like, boy, I should really take care of this. And you open up your glove box and there it is right there waiting for you. Aha! Problem solved. I did car detailings last year. I love that kind of stuff. Yep. So there are some very practical gifts, some very things that can seem like, oh, that's not gifty enough. And instead it turns out to be a great gift. Wait till you're driving down the road in your freshly detailed car, just totally appreciating. On your way home to use the spices that you got. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> I hope that some of our enthusiasm for gift giving comes through in this segment and that it's something that you can approach with joy this holiday season. like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today we hear from Stephanie. 
I want to salute the hostess Carrie, who seated us recently at Cheddar's. I specifically asked for a table because my father-in-law was with us, and he is very round around the middle and cannot fit into a booth. And when I asked for a table, she looked up at me and listened and nodded to tell me she understood. Many times when I specifically ask, may we please have a table instead of a booth, and are shown to a booth, it embarrasses my in-laws. When we have to refuse the booth and ask again for a table, and sometimes even have to explain that it will not be comfortable for everyone in our party. It was so kind of Carrie to stop, listen, and confirm the request and save us from that very uncomfortable moment. Sincerely, comfortably seated. Comfortably seated. You paint a vivid picture, and I'm thinking about that moment of understanding that happens between people with just eye contact and how important, how meaningful, how significant that can be. I love this, too, because listening is so important and paying attention. And it's not that every single thing that is said has a a double meaning or a hidden meaning to it. But when someone does make a request, sometimes not giving a whole lot of pushback or questioning as to why it's so important saves people from a lot of embarrassment. And I think that we're hearing that in this particular scenario with this particular family. It's not true for everyone, but it does mean something when you choose to make a request and someone just simply entertains it. Comfortably seated. Thank you for this salute. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. Without you, there would be no show. Please connect with us and share the show with your friends, family, and coworkers. however you share your podcasts. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And finally, on Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And another way to support the show is to leave us a review. It helps with our show ranking, which helps other people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Thanks, Chris and Bridget.